to be here. Special welcome to all the visitors. Uh, special welcome to my in-laws in from town. Sorry, my in my other parents in town. Um, and uh, you guys ready to hear from the Lord? Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is from the scriptures. I'd like to open it with uh, an opening scripture from Colossians three and Psalm one hundred five. It says this. It says, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. Sing to him. Yes, sing his praises. Tell everyone about his wonderful deeds. Exult in his holy name. Rejoice, you who worship the Lord. Search for the Lord and know his strength. Search for the Lord and for his strength. Continually seek him. Remember the wonders he has performed, his miracles and the rulings he has given. You children of his servant Abraham, you descendants of Jacob, his chosen ones. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we are on week two. Oh, by the way, if you don't know me, my name is David. I'm also the drummer here sometimes. And so we try a couple different things. But um, I'm one of the pastors here. Happy to be uh, with you today. Uh, we are on week two of our summer series called Let Me Explain, where we're taking a closer look at why we do what we do the way we do. And this is a bit of a continuation from last summer's series, also called Let Me Explain. We just needed to have a crash course and a refresher on what is happening here at Highlands. And so today, as we continue this conversation, really we'll be covering one of the most polarizing, but also potentially unifying practices of the church, and that is singing. Singing. So let me explain why we sing at church. Because singing uh, is, is kind of an interesting thing, right? Where music tends to be everywhere from concerts to cafes to commercials to elevators. You walk into a mall. It's everywhere you go. You hear music, and it's awesome. I mean, who loves music? Quick show of hands. Everyone loves music. It's awesome, and it carries with it this power it carries with it a power to bring you back to moments of meaning and significance and even create in you preferences based on these moments of significance. Fun fact about music, if you didn't know, sociologists say that for the vast majority of us, our favorite music uh, will always be what we listen to and what we experienced in our teens and 20s. Most people never move beyond what they loved in their teens and 20s because it was there that some of the most life-defining moments happen. So anyway, music's amazing. I have always loved music. It's a gift from the Lord, and it's everywhere. But bringing it back around to our topic for today, singing, even with the impact that, that music has in our lives, most of the music we experience in our lives is a one-way street. It's received from Spotify to CDs to, to vinyl records, almost everything we hear is, is received and passively observed. In our everyday lives, we almost never contribute to the music we hear out in the world. And, and I know that some of y'all, you know, you like to do karaoke or you like to sing in the shower or in the car on the way to work. And we all occasionally chime in to happy birthday to you or oh, say, can you see uh, at a baseball game. But it happens, but, but, but the question is, when was the last time you regularly sang in public? When was the last time you sang with your friends when you were out for dinner? Just you're sitting at the table at a nice place and you just bust into show tunes. Anybody? I know the Thomases might be the exception on this, but... 
When is the last time your family started singing a song when you went to a movie or you were with strangers at the zoo? When is the last time at work uh, where you're all gathered in the break room for that 15 minutes and you start singing about your vacation plans? Anybody? For the vast majority of us, while our world might be exceptionally musical, it's fair to say that our lives are not a musical. And so the practice of singing and creating and participating in the music we experience with a group of people in our everyday life is not that common. That is, until Sunday rolls around. So Monday through Saturday, we are music consumers. We receive and we enjoy. But then we show up on, uh, for church on Sunday, and, and it's like for half the service, we're expected to stand with all of your closest friends and family and all of these strangers that you've never met before, especially if you're here for the first time. You stand up, and you open your mouth, and you sing. But the expectation isn't just to sing. It's, it's that we're supposed to sing and feel good about it, too. Every Sunday, and it's just what we do here in the church. But why? Why do we do it? Have you ever wondered? Music makes sense everywhere else in our life, but why do we contribute to the song on Sundays? Why do we sing? Let's find out. Now, just for some clarity before we begin, for the sake of defining terms, at any point during the message, uh, the words worship and singing will be used interchangeably, okay? Obviously, worship is more than singing, and not all singing is worship, but for the sake of our time today, if I say singing... In the context of church and the Bible, I also mean worship. And if I say worship, I'm also referring to singing. Sound good? Amen. All right, so where did this all begin? Let's start from the top. The practice of singing and worship is woven in all throughout the scriptures, but we see it first in the very, well, we see the very first song uh, recorded in the Bible in the book of Exodus chapter 15. And this is amazing. Check this out. So immediately after God rescued his people from captivity in Egypt, having now crossed through the Red Sea, they turn around, they see these like walls of water crashing over Pharaoh and his army. We read this song recorded in Exodus 15, starting in verse 15. It says this, Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and army he has hurled into the sea. The finest of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters gush over them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, is glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, smashes the enemy. Verse 11. Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Glorious in holiness, awesome in splendor, performing great wonders. You raised your right hand and the earth swallowed our enemies. Verse 13. With your unfailing love, you lead the people you have redeemed. In your might, you guide them to your sacred home. Verse 17. You will, bring them into, you will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Lord, reserved for your own dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, that your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. Then, verse 20, check this out. Then Miriam, the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine. I know you all love the tambo, right? She gets the tambourine out, and she led all the woman, women as they played their tambourines and danced. Dancing in church. How about that, good Baptists? 
And verse 21, and Miriam sang this song, sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. And this, y'all, is the first congregational sing-along we see in the Bible. I don't know exactly how the melody goes on that, on that song, but it, 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 it's the first song we see in the scripture, but it's certainly not the last. In fact, the word sing appears more than 400 times in the scriptures with an instruction to sing together as a community more than 50 times. And it starts in Exodus 15, but there's a few more. I just want to throw a bunch of Bible at you, and you can take notes, take pictures, do whatever you want. But this just helps drive this home, starting in Psalm 96. It says this, Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Each day proclaim the good news that he saves. Publish his glorious deeds. I love that phrase. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. Psalm 149, praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song, sing his praises in the assembly of the faithful. Here's Psalm 150. Praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heaven, praise him for his mighty works, praise his unequal greatness, praise him with a blast of the ram's horn, praise him with the lyre and the harp, praise him with the tambourine, there it is, and dancing, here we go, praise him with strings and flutes, praise him with a clash of cymbals, praise him with loud clanging cymbals, verse 6, let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord, praise the Lord. Got a couple more. Psalm 103, here we go. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I hope this is coming home for you. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will praise my God to my last breath. May all my thoughts be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. And here's something from the New Testament. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Here's from Ephesians 5. Don't be drunk with wine, but be, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And one more from the prophets here from Zephaniah 3. This is beautiful. It says, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears, and he will rejoice over you with joyful songs. So, lots of Bible and we've got a podcast if you need to go back and catch up on some of those scriptures. But, but what is the overarching theme that we see so far from the scriptures? We see music, we see horns, we see cymbals and flutes and harps and, and the tambourine. We got some dancing, we got some singing. And this is the participation that God has in mind for his people of worship as we jump into and contribute to the song. And while we, while we just, what we just read in the scriptures is not prescriptive, meaning there's, this isn't the only way that we can sing praises and worship God. We're not baking a cake here, okay? This practice of contributing to the song is also, while it's not prescriptive, it's also not optional. There has never been a time in the history of God's people, the last 3,000 years for the church and also Israel, where singing was not the standard in worshiping God. Singing has always been one of the most important, commanded, active, and important practices for God's people. But why? Amen, but why? Let me explain. And I want to look at this much like last week. I want to look at it from two perspectives, the literal why we do it and also some of the practical for why we do it. So first of all, literally, we sing as a church, we sing as God's people because God told us to. 
and that is the end. We just saw this in our journey through the scriptures. Sing to the Lord a new song. Let everything that breathes sing praises. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And so this is literally why we sing as God's people. We sing because God told us to. Cool. God has given us an active instruction to sing together more than 50 times, to not, not worship him passively by just listening to others, to not just listening to the songs of others, but rather the expectation is that we would all sing regardless if you like it, regardless of if you're good at it. God tells us to sing. Cool, but why? This is where it gets, this is where it gets interesting. So as I look at the passages that we've just emphasized here in the scripture for God's people to sing, I see there, there's a lot of reasons why we sing, but I see really five practical categories for why God gives this instruction. And I'm sure there's more, but I believe these five give us a really helpful framework. And so if you're taking notes, you can write these down. Why do we sing? Let me explain. We sing to remember. We sing to remind. We sing to rejoice. We sing to repent. And we sing to request in no specific order. To remember, remind, rejoice, repent, and request. And let's just take a deeper look at some of these now, starting with remember. So music has the power to bring us back, to activate in us memories from the past, to help us remember moments of significance. And this is obvious. Anytime I hear this, uh, the song Wish, Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd, I'm immediately brought back to senior prom. Russ, can I get an amen? Okay, not that you were with me at prom, but I know that... <laughs> I know that the Lord really spoke to you at a Pink Floyd concert, so this is amazing. Uh, anytime I hear, uh, near, far, wherever you are, I'm brought back to seeing what movie? Anyone? Titanic. This is good. It brings you back, right? 1997. Here we go, 90s. Music helps us remember. But singing, it takes it to a whole new level. In fact, there have been a number of recent studies um, on Har at Harvard Health that found that listening to and performing or participating in music, it reactivates areas of the brain associated with memory. This is why you, you've probably seen some of these videos on YouTube of folks that have been suffering with dementia that would sit down at a piano and be able to play perfectly, right? There's something that happens with music and it's associated with memory, reason, Reasoning, speech, emotion, and reward. It's also found that participating in music, this is it, it, it doesn't just help us retrieve stored memories, it actually helps lay down new ones. And friends, this is why we sing as a church, to retrieve memories of what God has done and regularly store new ones. We sing to remember. And we saw this fleshed out in one of the earliest recorded songs in Scripture. This one is from Deuteronomy chapter 31. It was at the end of Moses' life. This is incredible. End of Moses' life. Israel had just reached the Jordan River. They're about to cross into their promised land when it says this in verse 16. It says, The Lord said to Moses, You're about to die and join your ancestors. After you're gone, these people will begin to worship foreign gods and the gods of the land where they are going. They will abandon me and break my covenant that I have made with them. So God is saying here, listen, Moses, your people, my people, Israel, will forget me and turn from me. So, verse 19, says, write down the words of this song and teach it to the people of Israel. Help them learn it so it may serve as a witness 
for me against them. Verse 21 says, This song will stand as evidence against them, for it will never be forgotten by their descendants. So that very day, Moses wrote down the words of the song and taught it to the Israelites. Isn't that incredible? God's like, hey, Moses, my guys, my people, they're going to forget me. They're going to forget all the amazing things I did. So, so write them all into a song. I made your brain to work this way. Write them into a song. Write everything down and teach them the melody, one that will help them remember so it will never be forgotten. And this is why we sing. From Psalm 105, we sing to remember the wonders he has performed, his miracles and the rulings he has given. We sing to remember. This brings us up to number two, second practical reason for why we sing, and that is we sing to remind, to remind one another of all that God has done and promises to do. Psalm 105, verse 1 says this, Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know. Remind them of what he has done. Sing to him, yes, sing his praises. Tell everyone about his wonderful deeds. Where remembering is helpful for us to grow our faith, reminding is essential for others to help grow their faith. How? By recalling in them the goodness of God we remember. It reminds me of one of the songs that we sing here at the church, and I'll give you a couple of these as we go. One of these songs we've been singing quite a bit over the past couple of years is called I Believe. And the bridge of this song, it says, Sing it to the daughters, sing it to the sons, to every generation. Look at what the Lord has done. Do you remember this? This is it right here. Why do we sing? We remind them to tell them what the Lord has done, to remind them of what we remember and what we have experienced. And I don't know about you, but there are times where I forget. There are times where my brain is so filled with dumb stuff, with all the craziness of this life, that I get so inside my head and I forget all that God has promised me. I forget all the stuff that God has done for me. Forget who God says I am and what God has promised. It happens to me all the time. Anybody else? Every hand in the room goes up. We all forget. We all forget which is why being here and singing together is so important. Because even when I forget, there's someone else here that remembers. And when you sing and I hear you, it speaks to me and reminds me what's true and inspires me to sing. And so that's the second thing here. We sing to remember and we sing to remind one another. Which brings us up to number three, and that's rejoice. So we sing to remember, remind, and rejoice. Psalm 105 says it like this. Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. Sing to him. You sing his praises. Tell everyone about his wonderful deeds. Exult in his holy name. Rejoice, you who worship the Lord. When we sing, it's not meant to be this contemplative, personal moment all the time to remember what was, but it's also a time to publicly celebrate together what is to come and rejoice in who God is. Worship is intended to be a time of great joy and delight as we consider together all that God promises and all that God has done in our time. It's a moment of, of refocus in our hearts and minds on his good news, the gospel that saves us and, and the new life that now we're adopted into. To rejoice in singing is to, is to find our, is to acknowledge our, our found hope and purpose 
only made possible by God's incomparable power and unshakable love. And this is why we sing things like, how great, come on, is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. This is why we sing to rejoice in who God is. This is why we sing amazing grace, right? Because when we sing together, we step into this communal heart posture of hopeful optimism as we rejoice in the new life we have been given. We sing to rejoice. Number four, it says that we sing to repent. Now what does this mean? The world, the world outside these walls, the word repent probably sounds really intense. And, and, but I need to know that all it really means, this word repent, is to return to where you started. Is to go back to the beginning. And so when I say we sing music to, re we sing to repent, what I'm really saying is that in this time of music every week, as we remember and we return to God as our source, it's a moment to refocus our hearts and minds on the starting point for our life. When we sing, great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. When we sing this, it's a moment of recalibration. It's a moment of repentance, of returning to where we started where we acknowledge all the ways we have turned away, but because of God's faithfulness, as we remember his kindness, we're led back to our first love. We don't repent because God is so bitterly angry at us as his kids. We repent because, because he has been so faithful and we're returning to where we started in his love. And I know this for me is probably the most powerful part of singing because it's through music and our time of singing together that I find my greatest conviction Singing just a moment ago, all hail King Jesus, and I'm just like, oh my goodness. All those times where I was singing in my life, all hail King David. And now I'm here. And I'm just laying it all back down. Repenting back to where we started. Listen, it's through singing that God meets me and reminds me of his kindness, which then brings me back to his goodness. So we, we sing to repent, to return together to the faith promise we made, to the kingdom confession we claim, and to the new life of freedom we found in his grace. We sing to repent. And that's number four. Number five, if that isn't enough, take a deep breath, everyone. We sing to request. And we learned all about this request last month in our series about prayer. Um, but this is what happens. We sing as a prayer to ask God to do what only he can. We sing as a request to bring our petitions for God to move in and through us as we gather together in his name. There's another song that we sing here called Rest On Us, and it goes like this. It says, as the spirit was moving over the water, spirit come move over us, come rest on us. There's the request, right? And the chorus it says, calm down, spirit when you move you make my heart pound. When you fill the room, you're here and I know you're moving. 
I'm here and I know you'll feel me. Do you understand? This is a song of request. Come down, spirit, move. This is a song of request. And this practice, it isn't just found in the new songs that we sing. But, but what about songs like, Be Thou My Vision, Song of Request, O Lord, all my heart. We sing to request all the time, and I listen, I, I need you to know that God wants to hear your songs of request. God wants to be requested of. Psalm 105 says, Exalt in his holy name, rejoice, you who worship the Lord. Search for the Lord and for his strength, continually seek him. God wants to share with us his strength. God wants us to continually seek him, to bring our request before him. It's true. But God does not want to be on the other side of the song, passively observing like we so often do. No. In Zephaniah 3, we heard, we heard the prophet say this, for the Lord your God is living among you. He is not on the other side of the song. He is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. And this is it. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. You catch that? As we rejoice with him, God is living among us. And he takes delight with us in gladness. And, and, and it says that as we rejoice in him, he will rejoice over us with joyful songs. As we sing to him, God is singing over us joyful songs of love and gladness. Isn't that incredible? God does not want worship to be a one-way street. God wants to meet us in our music, speak to us in our singing, and strengthen us in our song. And this is why we do what we do. We sing to remember all that God has done, to remind one another all God promises to do, to rejoice in his goodness, Repent to his kindness and request more of his presence. This is why we sing. Remember, remind, rejoice, repent, request. Now all that said, just about finished, all that said, as God's people have been singing for thousands of years, tens of thousands of different songs with countless melodies and languages and instrumentations, the question is, I guess for Highlands specifically, like, so why do we sing what we sing the way we sing it. Let's start with what we sing. So we believe God wants us to sing from Colossians 3 and Ephesians, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. This means that we as a multi-generational church, which we are, we sing from a hymn book that spans over 500 years. Why? Because we believe just like Moses on the shores of the sea, that it's important to remember what God has done and how God has moved over the ages. But with that said, we also believe, like we heard in the Psalms, that God wants us to sing a new song in direct response to what he is doing in our midst today. And this is, is really important, but it's also a significant challenge for us. It can be, at least, because like we heard earlier, the sound we connect with most, we typically learned in our, in our 20s. So if you grew up in the 60s with the Beatles, it's, it's, it's likely you didn't love Bon Jovi in the 80s, okay? If you grew up in the 70s with John Denver, Rocky, what is it? Uh, Take me home, country road. If you grew up in the 70s with John Denver, you probably didn't love the Backstreet Boys, and that's okay, okay? Any 90s kids, you grew up in the 90s with Nirvana, you probably didn't love Ariana Grande. It's just what it is, and that's okay. 
but it complicates things when it comes to worship and singing at church because it leads us to often say, they just don't write songs like they used to. Has anyone ever thought that? Has anyone ever said that? Of course you have. We all have. They just don't write songs like they used to, where you kind of look back with rose-colored eyes on the sound or the style or the songs you loved when you first got saved. That, that playlist that was there when you first started going to church, and now those songs are forever etched into your heart as a tether to what God has done. And it makes sense. It does, but we need to remember that as a church, as this church, we all grew up seeing God do amazing things in different eras. This church is 77 years old, and so our liturgy must include a cross-section of the movement of God, not just a moment. We must sing as a multi-generational church, remembering and rejoicing in what God has done, but also recognizing that if we as a church, if we don't want the church to grow old and die with us, then we must allow what God is doing next to inspire in us a new song. Y'all, David didn't get stuck singing what Moses wrote. In the Psalms, the other writers didn't just copy the, the experiences and words of David. For the early church and into church history, they, they believed the best was yet to come. And so they continued to add with every generation singing, look at what the Lord has done. They sang a new song. God's people have always been singing a new song while simultaneously remembering the foundation they were built on. And this is it. If there's one thing I need you to remember today, let it be this. While the Bible is finished and the canon complete, the hymnal is not yet finished. And we can't live in the past. We can look to the past, and we're supposed to. But we can't live in the past assuming they just don't write them like they used to. I know that some of you, you grew up singing hymns that were written in the 1890s. But did you know the, the hymns I grew up with? They were written in the 1990s. And for my kids, some of their future favorite hymns, they haven't even been written yet. So until Jesus comes back and all things are made new, we must continue to sing a new song because the hymnal is not yet complete. So this is why we sing what we sing a multi-generational hymn book. Okay, what does that mean? Uh, does this mean that we'll just sing any old song or any new song that we feel like it? Or, or are there some categories that we must carry into song selection? Of course, there's categories. And there's the two categories that we specifically filter our song selection that we sing, that we remember, remind, rejoice, repent. <laughs> the five R's. Those two filters, okay? Uh, I'm getting close to the end, just so you know. Um, those, those two filters that we filter all of our songs through are specifically our theology and philosophy, okay? And so theology is the study of God. So what does this mean? It means that if a song doesn't stand up to the scriptures, we won't sing it. Um, a few months ago, maybe it was six, maybe two months ago, a friend here at the church, a member here at the church, came up to me after a service and said, hey, um, hey, you know, love the church, everything's, everything's good, but there's this song I, I just have a question about. It doesn't feel consistent with the scriptures. And I said, talk to me. And so we sat down, we looked at the words, and while I came to the other side thinking, okay, I understand the perspective and I honor his perspective, in the end, it's just not worth it to sing songs that might be confusing. Songs that we have to overcomplicate and overexplain. 
And so we haven't played it since because this is something that we care about, that it's clear and concise and that it that it's, uh, runs in line with the scriptures. So if a song doesn't lead us to remember, remind, rejoice, repent, or request, we won't sing it because worship and singing isn't about us. Listening to Spotify in the car, that can be about you, okay? But coming together and singing here at church, this isn't about you. It's about God and what he's doing in our midst. And, and this is why so many of our songs are directly out of the Bible. We sing scripture here all the time because scripture is true. And we want to make sure that the things we remember, remind, rejoice, repent, and request are true. Even in the songs that we write as a church that we've written in the past, we always want to make sure that they come back to the word of God as a first filter, okay? So it all comes back to theology. And then from there, we move on to philosophy, and not just for what we sing, but how we choose to sing it. So we believe it's important as a church to have a sound for our music, that when you show up on Sunday, uh, the time of singing doesn't feel like a jarring jukebox on shuffle, you know, playing all the random hits. But rather, it's a moment, a cohesive moment, where we sought the Lord and created this, this time of participation in singing together. And this philosophy, it determines how we sing after the first filter of theology based on the teams that we have to lead. I mean, if you remember uh, about two years ago, we had very few team members, and now we've got a worship team growing up. Um, but, but the song selection is also determined by the teams we have, the tone of the service, the focus of the message, the series, and even needs that we perceive in the community. I don't know if you remember last year, uh, some of you weren't here, but last year we actually set church up in the middle of the room for a month. Do you remember that? And we had all the chairs kind of surrounding church in the round. And we did this because we didn't want worship to feel like a performance. We didn't want it to feel like stage and seats as much as a moment to see one another and worship together so we might encourage one another, reminding each other what God has done. Now, practically, again, this philosophy impacts what we sing, how we sing, especially when we don't have a full team. Like last Sunday, I think it was just me and Becca. Like I had, I had a little kick drum over here and a guitar and she had, she had her keys and a mic, you know, like we were kind of going back and forth. And, and so honestly, songs that we sing are affected by the musicians that we have and the teams that we have. It's hard to play a big upbeat celebratory songs when you only have two, three people. It's also really challenging to sing certain hymns written for large choirs, right, Lori? When we don't have a large choir and we don't have anyone that knows how to play organ. So we do our best to cook what we got in the kitchen. And honestly, worship here might sound different in a few years. If, if we had like 10 barbershop choirs show up next year, I promise our worship would change, okay? <laughs> Just like if we had this massive influx of Gen Z that loved hip hop and Jesus and wanted to sing a new song. We must be firm in our theological convictions but we also must be flexible in style and song because God isn't done. The best is not behind us. No, the best is yet to come as we continue toward that one day when all things are made new. We see it in Revelation where every nation and tribe and tongue stand before the Lord singing, holy, holy, holy. And this is why we do what we do, the way we do. So let us be a church filled with singing. Amen? Amen? So we might remember together all that God has done. So we might remind one another all that God promises to do. As we rejoice with one voice in his goodness, repent back to his heart because of his kindness, and request more and more of his presence through every psalm and hymn and spiritual song.
because this is why we sing as a church. Amen? All right, as we close, I'd like to pray for you. Um, I'd like to pray specifically that this, that this, this idea of music and singing it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't become this random act that happens, but rather a meaningful moment to marinate on with the Lord. And so as we close, I want to pray um, for you. But, um, but before we do, I, I'd like for all of us to just sing the doxology together, if that's okay. And so if we could stand as we leave, let's stand and let's just stand if you're able and just extend a hand, a blessing out for the Lord. Because this is where we remember, we remind, we rejoice, we repent and request. This is a moment where we just acknowledge who God is and we're all gonna sing this together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here One more time, praise God. Praise God blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. God, we come before you today. We remember all that you've done. We remind one another, even in this moment, of who you are, that your goodness and your mercy and your love endure forever. God, we come before you rejoicing in your kindness and your grace and your mercy. God, we repent from all the ways that we've turned from you, God, and we come home in this moment back to your heart because of your loving kindness. And Jesus, even in this moment, we bring our petitions that you would just be with the Stoudemire family and the Heron family, God, that, that you would be with all those who are hurting and mourning and grieving today, God, that you would just come and bring peace in our hearts and minds. God, that you'd free us from anxiety today, God, that you'd free us from our burdens of the past. God, that you'd help us feel comfortable and welcome in this new house. God, we are just so grateful. When we come before you, we ask for blessing over this community. We ask that you give us more than we deserve, God, that you give us all that we could, beyond that we, all that we could ask or imagine, God, if it's in your will, God, your kingdom come, your will be done in our hearts and minds just as it is in heaven. So God, we ask today that you continue to work on us. God, that you speak into this, this love for singing this moment where we could lift our voices together and say amen. And so Jesus, we love you and we thank you for today. And it's in your name to the Father we pray. 
It's all said. Amen. Amen. All right, sorry I'm late, guys. Go get your kids. Have a great Sunday, everybody. We'll see you next week.